that they earned. So parents afterwards, they will be over in the kitchen getting sugar. So you're welcome. Genesis chapter 39. It has been... (laughs) To say it's been a privilege is really to undermine what it actually has been to be here this summer. For those of you who have served in the church or helped in the church for any number of time, for any length of time, you know what the Monday family has usually been at everything and we felt really weird if we weren't here. So to come back and say you're going to be the intern, you're going to work and help in the church, man, like, great, now I have a title for what I've been doing for the past 12 years. But um, I've learned a lot, not just from my dad and from Pastor West, but I've learned a lot from you guys as well. Your faithfulness, your commitment, your love for God, for the community, for the Bible, for the people in the church, it's really been a blessing. The highlight, I would say, um, of the summer was camp. I had six boys under in my teepee, and five of them happened to be from our church. And if they were a reflection of parents and the church itself, it was a good reflection. I got to see our five boys grow and be humble to what God has for them. And it really, it was hard on my heart this morning when I saw little Kinzer Smith was in the hospital. And so we, we do need to pray for him. But I want to thank you all for allowing me to do that. Genesis chapter 39, we're going to talk about my favorite Bible character, and that's the character of Joseph. Me and Uncle Gary were talking yesterday, and this is, actually is one of our favorite passages of Scripture. Genesis chapter 39. But I want to say something. We are plagued with a problem in our church today. The problem has infiltrated every level of Christianity and every level of Christianity in this church. It's infiltrated from the youngest child to the oldest member of the church. It's infiltrated brand new Christians who were saved maybe this summer, and it's infiltrated Christians who've been saved for decades. The problem has brought preachers to leave the pulpit, churches to close their doors, and Christians to leave their faith. The problem is mediocrity. Mediocrity has told you that being just okay is fine. Mediocrity has told you that God only needs your life for an hour or so a week. Mediocrity has told you that you cannot make a difference. So question, are you living your life to just be okay? A couple quotes, mediocrity tends to draw what is up downward, but does not draw what is down upward. Mediocre minds usually dismiss anything which reaches beyond their own understanding. Christians today, Christians in this church, have decided that they are okay with being mediocre. But thankfully, there's an example from the life of Joseph on uncommon Christianity. God has called us to be a peculiar people, a set-apart people, a different people. The world is common and mediocre. But if you've been saved today, if you've been saved for any amount of time, if you believe that Jesus died on on the cross for your sins, and you accepted that gift... You have, a, you have a responsibility to be more than just mediocre. 
And Joseph in Genesis 39 gives us five steps of what uncommon Christianity is. Number one, it's in your notes if you have a bulletin. Uncommon Christianity is founded in a relationship with God. Starting in verse 1, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guards, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with him, was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that he did, that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And the Lord was with Joseph. The simple statement really sets the mood for the entire passage. The phrase literally means that Yahweh, that's a word used for God, the proper name of God, which meant unchangeable one, was physically close to Joseph at that time. A boy who had just experienced a hardship I don't think any of us could have ever imagined. Your older brothers not only hated you as much to want to kill you, but they decided to act on that desire. Throwing you into a pit. Keeping you there for I don't know how long. Then selling you for really pocket change. To strangers taking you to an unknown land. But God was with him in every step of the way. What a comfort to know that we can have this close relationship with God. The God that created everything. And we have complete access to God through his son, Jesus Christ. If you are born again today, if you've been saved, you have access to a power that is unbelievable. If you aren't saved, if you're here today and say, I don't know what it means to be saved, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ's gift of salvation, you can change that today. You can have this same access today. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Imagine Joseph's story if he had decided to not rely on God. I honestly remember the first time I heard this as vivid as I read it now was in Mrs. Harding's kindergarten class. Alice Harding right here uh, taught all three of the Monday kids. And she used to have a way of teaching the Bible to us every morning and how it came to life. And that's where I grew to love the story of Joseph. But the story would have been a lot, a lot more depressing if he had not relied on God. The problem that we have in today's churches is that we judge a person by their walk with God. Have you ever been judged by your walk with God? Out at school, it's a big thing. It's like, I don't think that person's walking with God. I don't think that person has a relationship with God. We talk about this all the time, but in all reality, that walk with God is none of their concern. Here's the thing. People cannot accurately judge your walk with God. But you should be open to have God with him. 
The problem is that people base their walk with God on what people can see, and in all reality, it's your relationship with God, not with other people. To have a walk with God means to have a personal and passionate relationship with God, but it also means to reflect Jesus Christ. It's not for one another, but it's to give honor to God. We need to stop thinking of what men think of our Christian walk and ask God what he thinks of it. How is your relationship with God? Do you need to start one today? So you see, uncommon Christianity is founded in a relationship with God, but it's also displayed by his servant's heart. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer. He made an overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from, time, from the time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught, and he, knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. Joseph was sold into slavery, but he did something completely uncharacteristic of the world. Back then and today, he served. The world chooses not to serve people. It chooses to serve itself. For the class I'm currently taking, we had a project, and it was a, it was a little discussion post on living for others. So I started researching some articles, and if you typed in a search engine, living for others, several, two types of results would come up. The first is results from Christian websites about serving and living for one another. Biblical principles in every article. The second one, I was shocked to see, and it's worldly articles about living for self. Here's some examples of what I found. These are actual articles you can find. Four reasons to stop living for other people. You'll never be happy until you stop living for others. How to stop living for others and reclaim your life's purpose. That's what our world is teaching today. But we were given an example in the New Testament by the name of Jesus. Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Luke twenty two twenty seven. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, it is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you, that, among you as he that serveth. John 13 gives us a clear example. Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. And he was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Our world only looks to meet its own needs. But our Savior lived to meet all of ours. We need to serve like Joseph did, and we serve no matter the position. Do you realize jo Joseph was now the lowest of society? He was considered an item but he served faithfully. We need to serve wherever we're placed. There should be no task too small for the Christian to do.
preacher was preaching in chapel one year and told the illustration of, he went to this church, he was preaching at this church, and afterwards he was standing in the back talking to the pastor, and a gentleman in a suit, a nice suit, the guy was very well-dressed, he very respectable, the guy, you could tell he was working in business, he was high up, started cleaning up the trash in the pews. The speaker was interested, he said, pastor, is this, who is this? I mean, is he your janitor or not? He's like, no, he's a businessman in the church who travels. He says he's a multimillionaire and he travels most weeks. But he said, when I'm back, I want to be able to serve. Give me something to do. The pastor said, only thing I know of is cleaning the pews. So faithfully, every time that businessman is there, he spends 10, 20 minutes after cleaning up all the trash from the pews. That's what service is. If there's a job too big for you, you're too big for God to use. Serve no matter the position. Serve no matter the master. It should not matter who is in charge of you when it comes to you serving. Joseph served as a slave to a man who probably didn't treat him very well. Like I said, slaves were considered items back in that time. They were not looked at as human beings. And he served faithfully. Again, Jesus is an example. Do you realize that Jesus cleaned the feet of the man that would take him to the cross? John 13, verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured forth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. The man responsible for sending Jesus to die had his feet washed that night by God Almighty. I read that and it blew my mind. How often do we get so hurt by someone or so betrayed by someone? We write them off completely. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was all-powerful and almighty. He knew this man was going to lead him to die a horrible death. But he treated him like every other one. That's the example we have. Serve no matter the position. Serve no matter the master. Serve no matter the success. Like I said, if you are too big to serve, you are too big for God to use. Matthew 23, and he that is greatest among you shall be servant. And whoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I can say this, the most amazing Christians you ever know are the ones you rarely ever see. The ones that are amazing are the ones that are faithful to do the worst jobs, faithful to do them every time, and never ask for anything in return. That's a good Christian. A mediocre Christian only serves for the benefit instead of serving to be a blessing. Out at school, I'm an RA, so I'm in charge of a dorm, and all of the guys come to me like, hey, can I do something for you? Hey, can I do something for you? And when I first started, I was like, yeah, you can do this, this. And found out they, more and more I've grown in that position, I found out all they want is a public recognition. 
And more and more I find myself faultly relying on those kind of people and realizing they're not a servant. But it's that guy who comes out instead of studying and maybe sweeps the dorm lobby. It's that person who stays after church and cleans up a little bit. It's that person who comes to pastor and says, Pastor, what can I do? I don't care what it is, just give me something to do. And not expecting anything in return. That's a good Christian. Are you serving like Jesus served? Are you serving no matter what the job is and no matter who is in charge or what kind of recognition you get? So uncommon Christianity is a relationship with God. It's a servant's heart. But it's also maintained by resisting temptation. Temptation is a regular trouble for all Christians. It is one of the main factors in failing churches, ministries, and families. Being tempted is not a sin. That is something someone told me, and I really cling to that statement. Being tempted is not the sin. You are not useless if you are being tempted. Falling to temptation is the sin. Uncommon Christians are not taking the appropriate, uncommon Christians are going to take the appropriate measures to resist temptation. Mediocre Christians are in a constant cycle of failure than forgiveness. And Joseph gives us a recipe of resistance. Five R's. Number one, take responsibility. Verse nine, it says, how can I do this great wickedness? We know the story. Potiphar's wife tempts Joseph on a regular basis. Lie with me, Joseph. Come into me, Joseph. You see this temptation go on and on and on. She's resilient. And in verse 9, he says, how can I do this great wickedness? Joseph took responsibility for his own actions. We as Christians need to take responsibility for our own actions. You will never be successful over sin if you blame your surroundings, your childhood, your parents, or your circumstances. You will never see success over a sin if you don't take responsibility for it. Romans 14, verse 10 says, But, thou, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it, not, set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I liveth, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. We are responsible for ourselves and no one else. So take responsibility. But number two, recognize sin. How can I do this great wickedness? That This great wickedness. Joseph recognized that what the woman wanted to do was wicked both before God and before man. Sin is anything you say do or think that is contrary to the word of God. First John 1 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I don't think I have to give many examples of what sin is. Thankfully, I think we're all mature enough to realize what a sin is and what our sin is. We have to recognize that sin in our lives. And number two, we have to respond to God. Verse nine again. 
How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph's relationship with God was so powerful that it would have hurt Joseph to sin against God. Our first point was having a personal and passionate relationship. Is your relationship so powerful that you are grieved to sin against God? Are you being indwelled so much by his spirit that every little thing you do hurts you? Are you keeping such a short account with God that you're in constant relation, constant relationship with him? You have to respond to God, but number four, you have to refuse to be present. Look at verse 10. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her. Jo- Joseph not only refused her advances, but he refused to even be near her. This is the preventative action we need to take against temptation. Romans 3, 13, 14, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We tend to provide the opportunity to sin to ourselves. That's what I've seen. We make the opportunity happen. We control the circumstances to where it's easier for us to fall into something. Sometimes it's going to require a sacrifice to get clean. Sometimes it's going to have a sacrifice of getting rid of a lifestyle, getting rid of maybe some friends, getting rid of that movie, getting rid of all that to resist the temptation. And number five, run. And she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Joseph took the ultimate action against his temptation, and that was to run from it. Like I said, the best way to get out of your temptation, to get out of that sin, is to not even be near it. Uncle Gary said something to me yesterday. Joseph left his coat, but he kept his character. It sometimes takes a little bit of a sacrifice, but it's worth it in the end. Purity and resistance will demand a sacrifice. But we're not living our lives for ourselves. We're living them for God, and he will bless any sacrifice that we make for his glory. So how are you doing in resisting temptation? Are you staying away from temptation? Are you making a provision for the flesh? So we see that uncommon Christianity is resisting temptation, but it also, it remains consistent through hardships. Like I said, Joseph was subject to terrible things for being faithful and pure. And we see in verse 13, and it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, He hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us, and he came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. Joseph was lied about. The ultimate character defamation. Joseph was thrown into prison by the master he was, he was faithful to. And with no hope of ever getting out, Joseph remained completely faithful to those in charge of him. What got him through all this? Well, number one, God remained just as present and powerful as ever. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. 
I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Deuteronomy 31, 6, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth good with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. In Matthew 28, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Doesn't matter what comes your way. We need to remain consistent because God's consistent. You see it so often in today's world. A hardship comes, a trial comes into someone's life, and they shirk all responsibility. Something bad happens to a person. They're no longer faithful in the areas they were. If we decide to shirk our responsibilities when we go through a trial, what does that say about our faith in God? God Almighty, and we're willing to neglect everything he has for us. God remained faithful. Joseph, Joseph remained trustworthy and reliable. Verses 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not on anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him in that he, which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Joseph was not serving Potiphar. Joseph was not serving the prison guard. Joseph was serving God Almighty. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mediocrity occurs when we dwell on pleasing people instead of pleasing God. When we walk the line between God and material success, we are bound to fall into the traps of the world. The world is loud, attractive, and tempting. It will always attempt to drown out and confuse you. But as we saw today in Sunday school, God does not operate in the earthquake or the storm, but in the still, small voice. He is ready to accept you back at any time. Our lives are not meant to be worrying about pleasing others and moving up a ladder. It is meant to be serving and working for the glory of God. So we see he remained trustworthy, but he continued to serve everyone he could. Look at verse 1 in chapter 40. And it came to pass after the, these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against the two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers, and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in a ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. And they continued to seize it in the ward. Despite his position, despite the people he was in charge of serving, Joseph was faithful serving. He gladly served what was considered the worst society had to offer. Do you realize that? 
Are you limited in serving because of the people involved in that ministry? We get people, seeing people here and at school, they'll say, I, I want to help, but I just, I don't really like that crowd. I don't really like those type of people. If you're too big for a job, you're too small for God. This will keep mediocre. This will keep you in mediocrity if there is. Luke 6, 27. Woe unto you, and all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies and do good unto them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid him not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh, asketh of thee. And of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. As ye, and as ye would that men should do unto you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank ye have? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good unto them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend them which ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners and to receive much again. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father is merciful. Being uncommon means that we unconditionally love and serve people. It is a good thing that Jesus didn't have any conditions when it came to loving us. It's a good thing that when Jesus is on the cross, he says, I'm only going to die for those with this income. I'm only going to die for those who have this background. I'm only going to die for those who behave this way. No, Jesus went to that cross saying, I'm going to die for everyone. Everyone's going to have an op opportunity. It doesn't matter what social class you're from. It doesn't matter what you make in here. It doesn't matter your background, what you've done. God died for everyone, and we should serve everyone. So are you falling to the trap of mediocrity? Are you saying that just being okay is fine with you? How is your relationship with God? Is it personal? Is it passionate? Are you serving every day? The church is a great place to serve. I found it's probably the best place to serve. People needing help, people hurting, people needing counsel, everything, it's the best place to be. Are you resisting the temptation that comes your way? Or are you in this constant cycle of failure? Are you being consistent through your trials and through hardships? Or are you letting your responsibilities fall? Today you can reject mediocrity. And I challenge you today to be uncommon. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have stepped over the line the decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My future is secure. 
I'm finished and done with low living, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, and mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, live by prayer, and labor by his power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, and my mission clear. I cannot be bought, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till I'll know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. Are you ready to be uncommon? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for not being uncommon, Lord. Thank you for showing us that there is a way for us to live, and that is living by your power and presence every day. Lord, I ask that you watch over this invitation, Lord, and let it be for your glory. It's in your name I pray, amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, just ask a couple questions. Not looking for a public response. This is between you and God. But how is your relationship with God today? How are you doing walking with Him every day? How's your service to people? Are you looking to get something? Or are you looking to give something? Is there a temptation in your life that you know you have that you need to get rid of and avoid? Have you shirked a responsibility because of a hardship? Today is the day to get to clean. Laura is going to play one song with everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. I want you to talk to God and ask if there is. not too late to reject the mediocrity in your life and become uncommon. It's not too late in your life to put some plans in action to resist that temptation. God is faithful to forgive everything. Thank you, Lord, for <clears throat> giving us the example of Joseph.
Thank you, Lord, that you can show us that he, flesh and blood, just like us, won some wonderful victories in his life, even through some horrible circumstances. And I pray that you would give us victory in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for Thane and bringing the message today and the challenge to our hearts. And I pray, Father, that today when we walk out of here, we have been challenged in your word to be an uncommon Christian. Help us never to be satisfied with mediocrity. Help us to live totally and fully and wholly for you. And I pray that we leave whatever the burden is that is hindering us from that, that we leave it here today. We walk out of here knowing that we can be used by you and that, Father, we would see that take place in our lives. Help us to make a difference in other people's lives for eternity. Lord, again, we thank you and we praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.